Hello and welcome to Reactives via the Byline Podcast. I am Evikiori and this week we are discussing the geopolitical complications of the EU's relations with China. The European Council will hold a strategic discussion on China for the first time since the Russian invasion of Ukraine. In a preview of this upcoming meeting, EU leaders and diplomats mentioned earlier in the week in Luxembourg that the bloc's rivalry with China has deepened over the past 12 months. The reasons expand from geopolitical matters to economic matters, as China is one of the EU's strongest competitors when it comes to trade, raw materials and technology. But if you want to hear more on this, listen to our tech podcast where Luca Bertuzzi is explaining the geopolitics of technology. Now, going back to our topic, the EU's decision to focus on the rivalry with China isn't a coincidence, of course, since the bloc is quite upset by the fact that China is backing Russia's positions on Ukraine, which again isn't coincidental at all. The main reason why China is ambiguous when it comes to Russia is Taiwan. Taiwan, which is an island, came under full Chinese control in the 17th century. It was given to Japan in 1895 after losing the first Sino-Japanese war and it was taken back again in 1945 after Japan lost World War II. After that, a civil war erupted in mainland China between nationalist government forces led by Chiang Kai-shek and Mao Zedong's Communist Party. The Communists won in 1949 and took control in Beijing. The Nationalist Party, known as the Kuomintang, fled to Taiwan, where they ruled for the next several decades. China says that Taiwan was originally a Chinese province. The Taiwanese argue that they were never part of the modern Chinese state. So, briefly put, China's interest is to support Russia's claim that Ukraine should be a part of the country. Now, on the latest news reports, we saw the US Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, accusing China of speeding up plans to annex Taiwan, as Chinese President Xi looks set to secure a third presidential term. Beijing is determined to pursue reunification on a much faster timeline, Blinken said, with the Chinese foreign ministry responding that resolving the Taiwan question is a matter for the Chinese. U.S. and China frictions also heightened after President Biden's remark that the U.S. military would defend Taiwan in case of an attack by China. Frankly put, the EU isn't the only one frustrated with Beijing's ambiguity on Russia. Many diplomats are stressing out that China cannot stay on the sidelines forever. They have to take a clear stance when it comes to Russia, they say. To shed some light on what can we expect on an EU level, I'm joined by Alexandra Przozowski, who's covering Global Europe for Euroactive.com. Alexiou ministers met in Luxembourg and set the tone for China. What is the story here? So indeed, Evi, it was initially scheduled as a regular state of play discussion, but the EU's diplomatic service prepared a so-called non-paper before Uh, the meeting and member states have received it ahead of the discussion and we also got our hands on on this paper and it makes very clear in the language that China has become an even stronger global competitor for the EU, the US and other like-minded partners. So the document draws a rather grim picture of how EU-China relations have changed since 2019 when the EU kind of for the first time verbalized its strategy towards Beijing. Um, and we all see what, what has happened afterwards, the trade disputes, the sanctions, uh, and so on. 
And here, let's just take a moment to remember that earlier this year, the EU accused China of illegal trade practices. The row between the two parties was sparked when Lithuania allowed Taiwan to open a de facto embassy in the country something that was not really appreciated by Beijing, which decided to downgrade its diplomatic relations with Lithuania and sort of boycotted Lithuanian goods. With the European Trade Commissioner Vladis Dombrovskis saying back then that China was blocking Lithuanian imports and imports from other EU states if they had components coming from Lithuania. Now, when it comes to the sanctions, the EU had imposed human rights sanctions on China, who has been accused by the United Nations of systematic human rights violations and their widespread effect on individuals and minorities in the Xinjiang autonomous regions. Specifically, UN experts mentioned that these crimes may constitute crimes against humanity and they should not be ignored by the international community. Another aspect of the tension and concerns between the two parties is the economic one. To hear more on this, I spoke with Ben Butters, CEO at Eurochambers, the Association of European Chambers of Commerce and Industry. Economically speaking, what we are seeing and what we're currently hearing is particularly the detrimental effect that the ongoing uh, COVID restrictions in China are having on European investors and on European businesses' confidence to to trade with China. Um, And of course also on EU citizens working in China. So this situation is is a cause for concern and in fact it's having um, an effect, an impact on the the discussions around the resilience of of, uh, Europe's supply chains which, which were Um, accelerated during the COVID pandemic. Um, And the longer this uncertainty in relation to China continues, I think the greater the the negative impact will be on the confidence in China as an attractive investment location for, for our companies. Although EU and China have been good partners, there is a need for balance on trade. How are European businesses affected? Well, EU China trade has been growing steadily for a number of years now, with positive effects for both sides. And in 2021, China became Europe's largest trading partner in goods, and two-way trade reached almost 2 billion euros a day. But over the recent years, imports have increased at a much faster pace than exports, leading to a considerable trade surplus for China. So while the Chinese market is an important source of growth and opportunity for EU businesses, They also see it uh, a need for a rebalance and for the bilateral economic relationship to become more equal. Alex, coming back to you, what other concerns are expressed by the EU when it comes to cooperating with China? So beyond the assessment of the partner competitor systemic rival designations that have been there and that the paper basically says might be outdated. It lists also areas of uh, cooperation, but they're only summed up in one paragraph. So according to the document, you know, this could include food security, climate change, humanitarian aid, health. But the significant part is that there is the advice for the EU to kind of intensify efforts to reduce vulnerabilities, be it technology, um, space innovation or or even disinformation fight. And the EU has been trying for a long time to find amicable solutions and has been careful to avoid strong language on China. What is new? What has changed? 
It does represent a significant change in tone. I think compared to the existing policy that we have, um, which has referred to China as a strategic partner in addressing global and international challenges, um, the paper in the meeting, we understand that several ministers on Monday made the comparison between Russia and China and not to repeat basically the mistakes that have been done a decade ago in cre creating dependencies with Moscow and to repeat them now at Beijing. So in that sense, Russia's war in Ukraine and the changed geopolitical context has been a wake-up call. And it seems that there is the intention to look a bit closer where those dependencies lie, um, also in the case of China. But I think but I think there's one significant difference that um, you hear also from many EU officials that we have been speaking to in the past days, um, especially when it comes to the comparison Russia-China. Um, they tend to speak more of a strategic competitor than rival, since rivalry would mean in that sense that, you know, you deny someone's or someone denies your existence as a counterpart to deal with. So um, the latter is the case with Russia at the moment. Um, I think with China, it's not quite there. And I think that's where they draw the difference. However, I think there is the insistence to deal with Beijing more from a 27 plus one standpoint rather than what we had before with the 17 plus one format or now the 14 plus one format. So there is the pressure on member states to not run too many solo runs when it comes to dealing with Beijing. But it will be interesting to see um, how this goes down in countries like Germany, which has always insisted on business relations and, you know, German Chancellor Scholz's upcoming visit to Beijing, I think, is one of the indications of that. But also internally how this will play out in the coalition, because the German foreign minister on Monday had quite strong words on China. Um, and this might maybe become an issue issue there as well. And earlier I was explaining that the U.S. is also frustrated with China. How is this frustration expressed? It's true that the Americans for a long time have actually pressured the Europeans to adopt a stronger stance on Beijing. And um, I think it looks like they are getting what they were wishing for. Uh, but when you look at the new U.S. national security strategy, for example, that was released by President Biden on Wednesday, so this week, um, it has a very strong language on China committing to the Indo-Pacific and, you know, addresses a lot of the big power competition uh, discussions. Um, so I think that's that's one of the indications that this will also grow grow stronger. And there's the joint EU-US-China dialogue, um, which originally was set up in October 2020. I mean, when, when the US was still under the administration of uh, President Donald Trump. So um, as much as he had roughed some feathers uh, of the Europeans, you hear more and more saying, or more and more diplomats saying, um, that in principle he might have been right, um, though definitely maybe not in the execution of, of the discussions. <laughs> Yeah, the awkward moment we have to accept that Trump was right on China. But this week, uh, there is the official meeting of the EU leaders and China is one of the topics on the table. What can we expect? Technically, EU leaders should be just discussing the state of play. I think it might go definitely a bit more beyond that um, in terms of how to make the difference between between China and, and Russia. But still, I think with the perspective that this needs to be addressed at some point. So I don't think we will be seeing a lot of discussions about changing the EU strategy on China that was verbalized in 2019. But um, I think definitely there will be a bit of rethinking and how to go forward with this as well. 
thinking that there should have been an EU-China summit this year. Let's see if it happens in what form it can, can happen at all. Thank you, Alex. I am Evie Chiori and this was your Active's Beyond the Byline podcast. Visit your Active for the latest news and if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you can do so on your favorite podcasting app. And if you have any comments or ideas, you can drop a line at podcasts at youractive.com. This episode was produced by myself with the help of Alexandra Brzozowski. Thank you for listening.